Yeah. 
sweet spirit here right now. Father, your Holy Spirit is the one that speaks to our heart and we've, we know that your presence is here. And so Father, we thank you for the hope that we just sang about, that through it all, no matter what it is, the wind and the rain and the problems of life and the wonderful times in life, through it all, Lord, our hope is in you. And we can sing, it is well with my soul because I know that you are my anchor. And so Lord, we've come here today to lift you up, to praise your name. Most of all, Lord, to hear from you. I just pray, Lord, that through your word, through our worship, through music, in a variety of ways, Lord, through giving, that Father, our hearts will sense your presence, our hearts will be changed that we'll become more like you today, Father, that we will choose to follow you and your ways. And so, Father, we thank you and we praise you here this morning that through it all, our eyes are on you. And when they are, we can say it is well with my soul. So thank you, Father, once again for your presence here this morning. May we turn our ears towards you Father, thank you for each person online, for each person that's been drawn here today, the children, the students, for those that are worshiping you all around this community. Father, we lift up your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. I heard you had some wind around here on the East Coast this weekend, right? Um, we were... In, on the west coast and uh, we were in the middle of an evacuation for mudslides so things are happening all over the place in the United States right but through it all guess what <laughs> you don't know what to guess do you? through through it all when our eyes are stuck on him he's gonna see us through right aren't you thankful for that how many people are still without electricity no Oh. oh, so you guys can bring your crock pot over here and make lunch today, right? <laughs> well, you made it through, and it's good to be safe, and it's wonderful uh, to be back home, I think. We had a great time on the West Coast. It was uh, not windy, but it was rainy, which is kind of unusual for there. But uh, we had a great time of R&R. &R. Well, uh, it's a good time for you to take your phones out, check into Facebook, and that way people, your friends will see that you go to church on Sunday morning and that it's a great place to be. And uh, maybe next time they'll come with you. All you have to do is ask them. Maybe even give them a card for our Easter services that are coming up. That would be a great thing. Your connection card is there if you could update any information that you might need to. Good morning, Richard. Everyone say, good morning, Richard. <laughs> I love doing that. <laughs> There's a lot of power up here when you have a microphone. <laughs> You're okay with that, aren't you? You're good with that. Okay, we're going to take our tithes and offering in, at the next song, but I want to call your attention to something very, very important. We have upgraded our payment system. Isn't that exciting? I knew you'd be excited about that, and I have a little note to tell me what to say to you. Uh, when, when you give online or on your app, okay, we are kind of revolutionizing a, a lot of that. So will you please, when that pops up and it says update your uh, information, update your payment info, info um, just go ahead and do that. Don't just think it's one of those things where you just push a little X and make it go away. Just uh, update your information. That will really uh, help out, and it'll make your payment go even easier and faster. Aren't you excited about that? Woo! 
Okay, yeah, I knew you would be. All right, we're gonna take our tithes and offering in a few moments. Those are the ways that you can give if you aren't already. We've had 37 people take the tithing challenge and I guarantee you that you're seeing the blessings of God in your life. Now, it doesn't happen all of a sudden. It's like sometimes things break down and you have to, has anyone had anything break down when you've taken the tithing? Yeah, stick it out. Stick it out because this is when your faith really gets activated. And when you put trust in God and say, you know what, I'm trusting you for the outcome. I'm just going to be faithful in the immediate. You will see those blessings. How many people that tithe can say amen to what I just said? Woohoo! All right. Joe, give Joey a hand. You make a pretty good hype man, gay. That's knows how to bring somebody out. All right, guys, first off, we have a uh, Smithfield missions opportunity in Smithfield, Virginia. We have a ministry there. We've been privileged to use as a homeless shelter. Um, every day, 12 or more people come there for a hot meal, a warm bed, a hot shower, and the hope of Jesus. March 17th to the 23rd, we'll be heading out to assist in that ministry. So if you can give any block of time, it doesn't have to be the entire week. If you can give any time for that mission and you need more information, there'll be a table set up outside just after service. Any information uh, you need is out there, and any time you could sign up will be greatly appreciated. Next up, we're starting something. Uh, we're going to try to kick off something that is near and dear to me. It's called Celebrate Recovery. Yes. Celebrate Recovery was founded over 26 years ago by a man named John Baker. John went to AA meetings and couldn't talk about Jesus. And one thing I've learned what's important in being able to do that is we can separate ourselves from our brokenness. When you sit down and you say, my name's Joe, I'm an addict, it identifies who you are. But when you can say, my name's Joe, I'm a child of God who happens to be an addict, it removes us from our brokenness. This guy, John, also went back to his small group and tried to talk about addiction. People in his small group didn't understand his addiction. So he wrote a 13-page letter to Rick Warren, and Rick authorized him to start Celebrate Recovery. It's now in over 30,000 churches around the world. Rick says there's two types of people in life. There's those who need recovery and know it, and those who need recovery and don't know it. Um, and we're all broken, so it's great when we can hand God our pieces and he gives us his peace. The one thing, another thing I like about Celebrate Recovery is it doesn't just cover drugs and alcohol. Divorce or family dysfunction, codependency, grief, anger issues, food addiction, financial issues, gambling, sexual, physical, emotional abuse, sexual addiction, control, setting boundaries, and chemical addiction. So like I said, there's two types of people. People that are in recovery and know it, and people that need recovery and don't know it. Next week in room 503, just outside of Rubicon, we're going to have an informational meeting after all three services. You don't have to attend here. You don't have to be a member here. If you know somebody that's interested in helping, we're going to need all the help we can get to get this going. So please come next week, get more information. If you're interested, you know somebody, I'm there's so much freedom in recovery. This year alone, I've celebrated two anniversaries. January 19th was five years sober. March 1st was four years without a cigarette. So, so if you guys know anybody or are interested yourself, please come next weekend to 503. Next, school zone prayer. Who's doing the school zone prayer? All right, now we have these little stickers. You know those little oil change reminders? Take those out, throw them away. Put these schools on. We're going to try to get the local auto mechanic some more business too by throwing those oil change stickers out. So go ahead and just put this in there. So school zone prayer stickers, those are outside as well. Just a reminder, one thing I learned, my GPS dings every time I enter a school zone. I had learned to ignore that sound. I had no clue what it was. <laughs> it's good and safe of me, right? But now every time that dings, I know I'm going through a school zone. Um, just reminds me to pray, eyes open, of course as I'm driving down the road, so. 401 prayer, who's doing the 401 prayer? Cool, sounds good. My small group, actually, we have a text thread that every day at 401 when that alarm goes off, somebody different every day is responsible for reaching out to the group saying, hey guys, time to pray. So it keeps us engaged day by day. What we're asking this week is at that 401 prayer, ask God to show you somebody that you can invite. If you're obedient, he will put the people in front of you. So we have the card. It's just as easy as handing them this card. There's plenty of options, plenty of events going on for Easter. So ask God to 
put somebody in your path that needs an invite to church, and it's just this easy, hand them that card. All right, guys, we're going to continue to worship our tithes and offerings. Because maybe now we got bad blood. You know we used to be mad love. So take a look what you've done. I surely look all wind blown this morning. We uh, we went to California. I guess we left on Monday. Yeah, Monday, and uh, it took us five and a half hours from Atlanta to get to L.A. And uh, I thought, man, that's like we just couldn't understand why it took so long. We came home in three and a half hours. 
the wind blew us in. <laughs> That's all I could think of. And, and the wind was coming here as we were going there and it kept, uh, took a long time to get there. So anyway, we're glad to be home. We spent some good time with Gay's cousin, who is an incredible cook and took really good care of us. And I gained five or six pounds, but hey, it's all good. Hey, really glad that you are here today. It's a great day to be in church today. We're starting a new series today, as you already heard, called Say What? Just about the time that, you know, that we think we have Jesus figured out, he throws us for a loop. I mean, with a statement uh, that's not only hard to understand, but it's even harder to swallow. You know, you just want to kind of blow it off. So, so what are we, we going to do when we run across one of these Ridiculous statements, uh, just ignore it, like I said, blow them off, or, and just say it's impossible, uh, you know, or just tear that page out of our Bible or whatever and just say, you know what, I'm not going to deal with that, or we can obey them. And if we choose to obey them, it will lead us to the abundant life that Jesus promises us in John 10, 10, when he said, I have come that you may have life and life more abundant. You see, Jesus didn't just come so that we could uh, die and uh, get to heaven and somehow survive this life. He, he came so that we could have eternal life and yet have abundant life as we live here in relationship with him. And so uh, join us over this week and the next three weeks leading up to Easter as we look at a few of the statements that will Sometimes just make you scratch your head and say, and, and mutter to yourself, say what? Are you serious, Jesus? So let's get started. I read this week about a priest who was given a homily based on Jesus' command to love your enemies. And as he was standing before the people, he says, I bet that many of us feel as if we have enemies in our lives. He says that to his congregation. And, and so raise your hand, he says, if you have lots of enemies. And a lot of people raised their hands because a lot of people had a lot of hands. He said, now raise your hand if you have few enemies. And about half as many people raised their hands. Now, he said, raise your hand if you have one or two enemies. And even fewer people raised their hands. And the priest said, he said to the people, he said, most of us feel like we have enemies. He said, now what I want you to do is raise your hand if you have no enemies at all. And the priest said he looked around, he looked around, and way back in the very back, he says, uh, an old man raised, a very old man raised his hand, and he says, I have no enemies whatsoever. And man, the priest got excited, and he said to the old man, he said, come on up front. And uh, he said, uh, uh, what a blessing you are, the priest says. And he says to the old guy, he says, how old are you? And the guy says, I'm 98 years old. And he said, I have no enemies. And the priest says, man, what a wonderful example you are of a Christian. And he said, uh, can you tell us uh, how it is that you have no enemies? And he said, they all died. <laughs> Jesus says, love your enemies. Say what? Seriously? You know, this is among his most revolutionary statements and, and certainly his most uh, uh, humanly counterintuitive statement that he ever made. And, and, and we're already struggling, many of us, with the statement to love our neighbor. I mean, probably if I went around the room, many of you would say, man, I, I'm struggling with love our enemy. And then Jesus says, says to us, love our enemies. Seriously, Jesus? Love our enemies. Yet in his Sermon on the Mount, he gives us an outrageous picture of what people and their lives should look like if they follow him. You see, there's a standard that Jesus has set for us. There's a way of life that if we say that we are believers in Jesus Christ, there's a way of life that Jesus says that he wants us to live. And on the Sermon on the Mount... If you want to know a picture of what your life is to look like once you say that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, just uh, read the Sermon on the Mount because he gives us a picture of what a true follower of Jesus Christ would look like. Now, the Jewish tra tradition was to love your neighbor 
and hate your enemy. And here comes Jesus and he challenges that thinking and he makes it clear to us that we are to love our enemies. Now in Matthew 5, 43 through 48, he said this. He said, you have heard it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus says, I say to you, love your enemies Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Then he goes on to say, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even tax collectors do the same. Now, you know that tax collectors were the real enemy of the day. And he was saying, uh, you know, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now that's another huge statement that we could talk all day about when Jesus says to us that, uh, that we are to be perfect as he is perfect, as our Father in heaven is perfect. And we could talk on that one and go, say what? And really mutter for a while on that. You see, the, the tradition of loving your neighbor and hating your enemy was, was wrong. And Jesus makes clear makes that clear in that portion of Scripture that I just uh, read to you. He's saying instead of excluding your enemies uh, when we love our neighbors, Jesus includes our enemies. Jesus defines love in a way that includes your enemy. Now, let's, first let's define who our enemies, who they are. If we are to love our enemies, then who exactly are our enemies? And Jesus goes in that verse and he describes to us who our enemies are. He says, they are people who hate us. Now, I don't know about you. I hope no one hates me. Uh, But, you know, maybe there are people in my life that hate me. I know back a long, long time ago, we had a message in the church and a lady came up to me and she said, uh, because the pastor said, go to anybody in here that you uh, have a problem with. And I'll never forget, she met me on the step landing as you go outside down to the basement, and she said to me, buddy, I've hated you for years. <laughs> so this message is for you. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he goes on to say he means people who oppose us, uh, try to hurt us, people who intentionally, intentionally try to hurt us, people who have harmful intentions and clear hostility toward us, and those who literally persecute us. Now, we could easily think that we don't really need to worry too much about loving our enemies because as I hear that, I, I, I don't have any true enemies. Well, let's understand that our, in, our enemies at times can be our spouse or it can be one of our children. You see, there are many times when your spouse isn't very loving to you. They may even look for ways that they can purposely hurt you. And in those times, it might be really easy to um, um, retaliate, to get back. And in those times, your spouse is an enemy. And then there are times when we experience conflict in other relationships. Those who are very close to us may treat us as if we are an enemy. It could be someone you've cared a great deal about in your life. I mean, you, you have a history with them. And you've, and you've cared a great deal for them. And maybe it's someone that you've worked side by side with for years. Or it might even be someone that, uh, that you have been friends with in church. Someone that you've done ministry together with or prayed together with or, or whatever. And all of a sudden, something goes awry in your relationship. And all of a sudden, they become your enemy. You need to realize that your enemy isn't just someone that would threaten your well-being, but it may be someone who causes, who causes you enough anxiety that in your mind and in your heart, uh, you begin to think of ways to be, at least you're tempted to re, re, uh, retaliate, to get back. 
You see, Jesus tells us that we are to respond counter to our hearts and counter to our culture. He says, clearly, don't just love those who love you. He says, that's very easy. You know, if someone's all giddy and all loving with me, it's really, really easy for me to love that person. But Jesus says, love your enemies. Love those who persecute you, those who curse you, those who hate you, those who get back at you. He says, love your enemy. And then he says, we will be true sons of our Father in heaven. Say, what? Say, what? He says, love your enemies and then you will be true sons of our Father in heaven. In other words, we need to treat them like he treats us. He demonstrated, uh, he demonstrated our love for uh, the enemy. You see, having to find the enemy, remember, no matter how much harm or hurt others cause you or how bis or badly they mistreat us, we need to love them in return. And the problem with that is I didn't see any exceptions in that scripture. I didn't see any exceptions that we can just mark them off. We don't have to love them. Say What? You see, in spite of their mistreatment of us, Jesus tells us we must, we must. He says this is not an option. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this is not an option. He says, buddy, you must love them. And man, we're left scratching our head and, and mumbling to ourselves, say what? He must not know what it means. You see, the good news, if you want to call it good news, is he tells us how that we are to express our love for our enemies. In our scripture, Jesus points out that we should, what we should do about our enemies. Now listen to what he says. Now, this is countercultural. This is counter to what our heart may tell us to do with our enemies when he says to us, love them, bless them, do good towards them, and pray for them. Say, What? Sorry, but Jesus says, I need to love them. But how? How, how does Jesus want me to, to show love to my enemies when I, when I don't have any love in my heart for my enemy? You know, our enemy, normally we don't have any love for them in our heart. We, we have a lot of hatred or we have a lot of ill will toward them or we have a sense of wanting to retaliate and Jesus is saying to us, love our enemies even when we don't have any love in our heart for our enemy. Does it mean I need to have these warm, fuzzy feelings in my heart for this person? No. You see, loving your enemy doesn't mean that you need to add them to your Christmas list or make them your best friend on Facebook. It doesn't mean you excuse their actions, but it does mean that I have to love them, which may seem impossible. But remember, the scripture says that all things are possible with Christ, all things. You need to understand that God knows our weakness and he has promised to give us the power we need when we do not have enough power or strength or whatever it is to do what it takes to do what he asks us to do. So the good news, if that is, if you don't know how to love your enemy, God will help you. God will help you. The promise of help is in 2 Timothy 1.7. This is a, uh, Timothy says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity, or in other words, of fear, but a spirit of power, a spirit of love, a spirit of self-discipline. You see, God will give you the power. All things are possible through Christ. Why? Because he will give us the power. He will give us the love. He will put that love in our hearts to love them. And then Jesus went from saying, love your enemies. He says also that we are to bless our enemies, to, to bless our enemies. Paul says in Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. Now here's a simple way to do that, if there's a simple way to do it. When, when faced with someone who has mistreated you, ask God to do for them what you want him to do for you. 
Now just think about that. You just pray when you pray, when you say to God, God, would you do for that person who is my enemy, who has hurt me, who has caused me great pain in my life, will you do for them what, you, what I want you to do for me? What, what do you want God to do for you? How do you want God to bless your life? Then the, maybe we need to pray the same prayer for our enemy. You seek the blessing for them. Seek the same blessing for them that you want God to do for you. Yeah, I'm talking about that person who's hurt you deeply. Think of it this way. The greater the hurt, the greater the potential blessing that will come to you, to us, when we totally forgive and by, by God's grace bless those who curse us. And then Jesus goes on and he says, another way to love our enemies is do good toward our enemies. Say what? No way. You see, it's good to do, it's easy to do good for those folks we like, but Jesus said again in Luke, if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? He says, even sinners do that. See, Jesus is saying, this is where, as Gay says, this is where the rubber meets the road as believers in Jesus Christ. This is where the rubber meets the road. He says, if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And Jesus here is painting a picture that makes us different than the world. That when people see us, they see something different than they see with that person who doesn't know Jesus Christ. That's why he says to do good to our enemy, which means seeing beyond our pain and, and beyond their meanness. It means seeing them as God, seeing them as people made in the image of God and, and understanding there's something twisted and something wounded inside that person that causes them to do what they do. All of us carry wounds that cause us to act out. You see, doing good means doing what will help their healing despite the way you have, they have treated you. Oh, gosh. That's hard. I guess that's why it's so quiet. Is that quiet online? <laughs> In other words, we make the first move. We make the first move. You send the email. I pick up the phone. You send the text or the Facebook message. We make the contact. We bridge the gap. You set up an appointment. And then we say to ourselves, but what if they don't respond well? What does that matter? We're not in charge of their response. We're only in charge of our response. Make the first move and let the Lord take care of the rest. Finally, take it a step further and pray for your enemies. Paul says, pray for those who have offended you, hurt you, maligned you, mistreated you, and damaged your reputation. Gosh. Man, this Christian deal isn't as easy as raising your hand for salvation, is it? You know, it's easy for us to sit in a chair and the pastor says, pray this prayer after me and we pray that prayer after me, but man, I'm not sure I'd have prayed that prayer if it came with this attached to it. This is hard stuff. You see, I'm not talking about please give that person what they have coming to them prayers. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Lord, you take care of them. Vengeance are mine, saith the Lord, and we say, get them, Lord. <laughs> you get them. I've said that. Or make them hurt like I hurt God prayers. God, make them feel it. But I, I also don't mean that you need to spend an hour each day asking God to pour out blessings upon them. There's a way to pray for both justice uh, and for the hearts of those committing injustice. If you have hate in your heart for somebody, maybe it starts with God. And you just say, God, I hate that person. 
Isn't that honest? Isn't that transparent? Isn't that saying what God already knows? God, I hate that person. God, I don't like that person. God, that person's hurt me deeply in my life. How do you expect me to love him, God, or love her, God? Maybe you just need to say to God, I don't want to love that person. Or maybe just pray, Lord, help me not to hate them. Help me not to hate them. C.S. Lewis said, prayer doesn't change God, it changes me. Praying for our enemy, praying for our enemy opens our heart to the work of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit wants to do a work in our heart, and there's an even greater reason for loving our enemies than this personal peace and good attitudes toward those who mistreat us. When we demonstrate love for our enemies, it shows others that we have a relationship with God. Wouldn't that be novel? Which I think in some ways, when we do that, we're doing what God has called us to do at a church, and that is sharing real hope with our enemy. Because we have been called by God to, we exist to know Jesus and to share real hope with anyone, with anyone. And who does that exclude? Who does anyone exclude? Exclude our enemy? The phrase that you may be sons of your Father in heaven in verse 45 doesn't mean that we become sons of God the Father, but rather that we, when we love our enemies, it shows the relationship we already have with God. And we don't have to say a word. And the world looks on and says, wow, look at that person. See, when we love our enemies, it's evidence that we love Jesus. Ooh. Say what? Say it again. When we love our enemies, it's evidence that we love Jesus. Our love for others is to be genuine. We shouldn't just love those who love us. We should love our enemies, bless those who curse us, do good to those who hate us, and pray for those who persecute us. In this statement, Jesus calls us to a deeper love than the kind of love we see in the world. A couple weeks ago, I shared a scripture with you from Romans 12 too. It says, don't conform to the standards of this world, but let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind, and then you'll be able to know the will of God. And I asked, I said, how many of you want to know the will of God? And just about everybody raised their hand, and probably if you're a believer today, you probably want to know the will of God. Well, how do I know the will of God? Paul says, by not conforming to the standards of this world. How does this world respond to their enemies? They retaliate. They hate. They hurt back. They get back. They ignore them. They get other people to dislike them. They speak evil of them. They cut them off. And on and on and on. And the Lord's will for believers is to love our enemy. Jesus calls us to a kind of love that's not of this world and that will cause our enemy. When you love our enemy, when we love our enemies, it will cause them to scratch their head and say, what? They're showing me love. They're doing good toward me. They're blessing me. They're praying for me after what I did to them. Say what? Because it, it can only be demonstrated by those who are followers of Christ. You see, Jesus lived the ultimate illustration of love for his enemy when he suffered and died for our sin. You see, the Bible says we were once enemies of God. Did you know that? That we were once enemies of God. And what did God do? God loved us in our, despite our hatred toward him. You see, it's, it's, it's a love that loves the unlovely and the unlovable, the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated on the cross. And we've, we've been given a divine standard in how we are to love others. God's love is perfect. And we won't be perfect until we get to heaven. So you can let yourself down a little bit. <laughs> At least you can breathe on that one. So when we fall short in loving others, even our enemies as we should, we need to confess that sin 
and seek to be more like our Heavenly Father. We never have the attitude, oh, well, I'm not perfect and never will be, and so I don't have to love my enemies. That's just another excuse that we've made to let ourselves off the hook. Well, I'm not perfect. I'm not Jesus. We should always be determined to be like Christ, growing and maturing in our spiritual walk with him. So I, I just want to challenge us at Salem Fields Community Church. Wouldn't it be awesome if people all over the community said, would scratch their head and say, say to themselves, say what? That's a church that really forgives their enemies? That's a church that really lives out the gospel? That's a church that really loves one another and loves their neighbor and loves their enemy? Wouldn't it be something if we started a revolution of love, of loving our enemies? And people would say, my goodness, what's happening over there? Wouldn't it be something if somehow you and I could just love our enemy? After all, Jesus loved us. He first loved us while we were yet still sinners, while we were yet still rebelling against God, while we were going our own ways, and we're saying to hell with you, God, we're going to live the way we want to live, yet then God still loved us. Thank you, Jesus, for this time we've had together, Lord. God, I just pray that you'll help each of us today in our endeavor to be more like you, Lord, in our spiritual walk with you. Father, I pray today that you would help me to love my enemies. And God, that you would help each of us to love our enemies. God, will you help us to love them, to bless them, to do good for them, and to pray for them. Father, we just thank you today for your word. Sometimes, Lord, it's difficult to follow you. But God, I know that you have given us all that we need to do all that you've asked us to do. So Father, help us today to love our enemy. Lord, to bless them and do good to them and to pray for them. With all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you'd say, you know what, I don't even know Jesus Christ. But you'd like to know him. You'd like to know that your sins are forgiven, that you can be in personal relationship with him, and you could have the power you can have the power and the love and the discipline to do anything that God may ask you to do and that you can live an abundant life by doing that. Probably a hard day to do a call for salvation because you know now what's attached to that. You know, guys, I just find it so easy to do church but I find it more and more difficult to be church, to be what Christ has called me to be. It's easy for me to come here and worship and raise my hands and talk well of people. Man, it's more difficult out in our world, more difficult to love our enemies. So if you're here today and you'd like to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, would you maybe want to pray this prayer with me, Jesus? You can just pray it. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. You can just pray that. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Then you just ask God, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Now just invite Jesus into your heart to be your Savior. Jesus, I invite you into my heart to be my Savior. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me and for being my Savior. Now, if you prayed that prayer this morning, if you'd, 
just simply stop out at the table as you leave. It says, I accepted Christ. And talk to one of the pastors out there to talk more to you about what that means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But we're going to do a time of worship right now. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move throughout this place today and that you would help us to do what you've called us to do, and that's to love our enemies. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we all stand? And maybe today during this closing song, you might just want to come and pray for your enemies because we probably all of us have enemies unless they've all died. If you'd like to come and just pray for your enemies today, I'll just open the altar. You don't have to. But just know anytime you want to come and pray here, you can come and pray here. God bless you.
Father, we know that it's only your love flowing through us that makes it possible for us to love our enemies. And so, Father, I pray that we here at Salem Fields Community Church would be people, the body of Christ, that would choose to love our enemies, to bless, to pray for our enemies. So different than uh, the message that we see and hear out in the world. Lord, help us to be different. Help us to be set apart, to be useful for you. God, help us to show your love through us because we've chosen to do it differently than the world chooses to do it. And Father, I know that's only possible through your power, through you living in us, through people who choose to follow you, Christ followers. And so, Father, this is a very, very difficult, difficult thing for us to hear. It goes so against our nature. But, God, help us to be the people that walk out of here today and are not just hearers of the word, but truly, Father, doers of your word. Father, thank you again for your word that pierces our heart like a double-edged sword. It hurts, yet it sets us free. And so, Father, we lift you up, we glorify you today because you love us so much that you want us to know the truth, and the truth will set us free. Thank you, Father, for what you've done here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Once again, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior today, if you'd stop at the table and speak with the pastor and get your band. For the rest of us, we've heard the word. And again, let's go out and live it. Thanks, you guys. See you next time. Take my-